Merry Christmas, Driftless Baddies, and welcome to the Christmas episode of Driftless Baddies. Um, This is my third episode. Initially, I thought that I would have, like, a lot more time to dedicate to this. (laughs) So, like, I didn't, obviously, so who am I kidding? So, I appreciate everybody that has been listening so far. We are kind of off to a slow start, but I'm gathering some content, and hopefully, um, after the new year... I'm going to get some more interviews lined up. So if you're interested in interviewing for a Driftless Baddies podcast, please reach out. Or if you have a nomination, I would love to hear who you consider to be a baddie in your life. And I think what I'm going to focus on in this episode is bringing out the inner baddie in all of us. You know, I don't know if some of you might not even understand what a baddie is or perhaps not even consider yourself to be one. However, I think there is truly a little bit of badassery in all of us once we find something that really brings that to light. This is the Christmas episode. I'm gonna share some anecdotal things, why I consider myself kind of a baddie, and hopefully inspire you to think the same. So here goes the Merry Christmas Badass Driftless Baddies episode. So, full disclosure, if you find me annoying, or if you don't like me, or if you just don't like my voice, this episode is not for you. Because it will be me, and only me, finally. I'm just kidding. I totally enjoy interviewing and conversing with people. But this episode is just me telling my story. Why, um, yeah, I think I'm kind of like a badass. At least sometimes, anyways, because I don't always feel that way. Um, And telling, you know, how I came to be kind of like this ray of sunshine, self-proclaimed knowledge of everything that's going on in the Kickaboo Valley. Like four people this week have messaged me asking me either for daycare services, if I knew when the lights were open, um, if I knew anything about the Kickapoo pool. And a a lot of the times over the summer, people would messaging me like, hey, do you know where this swimming spot is? Or hey, what is fun to do today? And I was like, um... Like, I felt responsible, but I also love it so much that people come to me and think that I have answers. So I really appreciate and respect that. But also, I don't have a lot of answers to a lot of things. And again, if you totally feel like I'm full of shit, it's totally fine. That's totally your thoughts. And I think that's great, actually, because I do need to be, you know, reminded that I am not. (laughs) And I know that. All knower of things, right, Justice? That's what my partner, that's my partner, Justice. He is, we always talk about that back and forth with our banter. So, anyways, if you don't want to listen to me for, I don't know, 40 minutes, just shut it off now. But if you, if you do kind of want to hear my story, or maybe you're just here to make fun of me, that's fine too. Um, keep listening as I begin to share my story of how I became a Betty. I think it's notable to also mention that my birthday is in a couple of days. I will be at 31, the ripe old age of 31. Also want to say happy birthday to my great aunt, Cheryl. We share a birthday the day after Christmas together and have shared all of my birthdays, as far as I know, together. So I'm super grateful to have all of those memories with you, Cheryl. Um, And thank you for being a guiding light in my life. I'm so appreciative of all the things that you have done for my brothers and I over the years. And I can't wait to celebrate with you on Monday. So in light of my birthday, I thought maybe it was a little appropriate to share my story and um, some of the reasons and or ways that shaped me 
to be kind of a badass. I guess that's up for discussion, whether or not you believe that I'm a badass. But a true badass believes in him or herself. So, without further ado, the fall and rise of Sammy Shine. So, I think it's good to start back in childhood, right? Because a lot of us, especially trending now with mental health awareness and taking care of ourselves, we think back to kind of where the train derailed and where we kind of fell off the tracks. And a lot of people go back to childhood. And let me tell you about my childhood people. It was freaking wonderful, okay? I had like zero childhood trauma. I am one of the very few small percentage of people that was not like dysfunctioned by their own childhood. I had a great childhood. My parents were crazy, unpredictable, but grounded and responsible people that genuinely loved us. Like I am so blessed. Sundays were for families. We always had crazy wild parties. Just kidding. I mean, kind of where my parents would be having fun with their friends and we'd have kids over. We made a shit ton of memories. My parents were so good to us. And being as it's Christmas time, I want to just recount a couple of my favorite um, Christmas memories. So I found out that Santa wasn't real probably when I was like 10 because I had asked for a piano for Christmas. And um, like any kid, I got up in the middle of the night and I was super curious. And I just so happened to look downstairs or hear rather the sound of the piano only to find my dad down there slamming on the keys with my mother right beside him saying, Kenny, Kenny. And if you know my mom, you can hear that ringing through your ears right now. Oh my God, Kenny, if you keep doing that, they're going to wake up. Oh my God, they're going to know. Well, guess what? I found out. And I played along because I had little brothers. In fact, my youngest brother was six years younger than me. So he had a whole bunch more time that he needed to believe in Santa Claus. And I believed for him. One year, my parents were always so good at gifting. Like my dad would always get us really fun, unique gifts. And my mom was like very practical. Like, I know you need new shoes or a new pair of sweats or anything like that. And they they complimented each other wonderfully. I remember my brother Michael was obsessed with WWE wrestling. And if you know about this, you probably were equally or, you know, obsessed yourself at some point in your life. We would like pool all of our money together to watch pay-per-views. We would buy all the wrestlers. We watched it together every Monday night. We were like freaks, but it, it was a bonding thing for us. So I actually kind of like it now looking back. Anyways, my mom and dad always got us one big gift and then they got us accumulation of smaller gifts. Well, my brother, Michael opens his up and it's an Xbox 360. I'm like, dude. And he starts bawling. He's like crying his little eyes out. And we're like, are you okay? Like what's, what's the matter? I wanted a hell in the cell wrestling ring. And my parents look at each other. I think at the time they're like, that was like a $30 plastic toy like it wasn't a big deal an xbox 360 was a big freaking deal and my parents look at each other i remember this moment very clearly and then before you know it my dad comes out with a sack full of gifts and he goes oh i guess santa must have come early and left some gifts in our closet and what do you know it's a hell in the cell um wrestling ring 
And my brother was like, all of a sudden, fixed. He's like, oh, thank God. I guess we'll play the Xbox later. My parents got me my very first Tom Petty CD, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And I have been a fan ever since. I love, love, love Tom Petty. I will never forget that Christmas. Another Christmas, similar to the story before, um, you know, like I said, my parents got us all big gifts and then we would get smaller gifts. Well, um, I think my brother John got an electric guitar. Like he really was into guitar playing and Michael got like probably another gaming device or something. It was a big gift. And I was the last one to open my big gift and it looked like one of those gift sets with like soaps and lotions and shampoos and conditioners that you would get at Walmart like probably five to six years ago probably more than that anyways that's what it looked like it was wrapped like and I was like not trying to be ungrateful but I also was like dude my bro just got a guitar and I'm gonna get like some lotion are you serious right now but also being kind and thoughtful and mindful and saying okay so I opened it up thinking it was going to be a bath set. And it turns out it was a video camera. And I just remember my own reaction was like emulating happiness. Um, And we then recorded so many of our childhood memories on that thing. We always had the video camera out, like when we were going to do something goofy or we were with our friends. So my parents always made Christmas special. And it wasn't just the gifts. It was the the pretzels with the almond bark and the M&Ms. And it was the Christmas movies. And it was being together. And it was, you know, the going to grandma's, to Aunt Cheryl's, to having Christmas together and the wrapping paper and staying in your pajamas and sledding on the huge, fabulous sledding hill that we had. It was all the little things And it was them, and it was my brothers, and it was the small proximity of the love in our family that really made Christmas. And I want my parents to know that all of those small little things, the Christmas garland that we would put up every year, mom, hanging up all of your corny little decorations all over the house together as a family, those matter. So when you're trying to be a perfect mother or father or Whatever you're trying to roll, you're trying to fill this Christmas for somebody, just remember it's the little things. And it's the way you talk to them and it's how you make them feel over all of the, the gifts. Because I don't have any of the shit my parents got me. Sorry, guys. Probably, probably held on to the Tom Petty CD for a long time. I hold on to the memories. We all hold on to the memories. So make them count. It's stressful. It bogs you down. It's a lot to worry about. I mean, just the other night preparing for the snowstorm when we had to get everything together in one night, I was just overwhelmed. But I remember that this is what my kids are going to remember. They're going to remember about how I made them feel and what my reaction was and the excitement. And they're going to remember the coziness and warmth that they felt from the people that they love. So hold on to that, guys. I know it's asking a lot. And if you can't do that, it's fine too. I mean, we're, we're expected a lot as, you know, parents and as support people in people's life at this time of year. So just do your gosh dang best. And I can assure you it is enough. If you're trying, it is enough. If you're intentional, it is enough. Every thought and good thought that you put into being for somebody else is going to be appreciated somewhere. I can assure you. And I'm going to circle back to that at the end of the episode. Okay. So we're going to kind of talk about me. Yay! Is that what you're waiting for? I'm so excited to talk about me. Um, I'm ready to share my story with you guys because I feel like 
Maybe you're wondering where and why I feel like I'm entitled to have a podcast about badass women and why you think that I, what title, how did I give myself, you know, this, this um, responsibility. And I think that recognizing my journey and how I got to be in this position is really important. And it's kind of, it's a vulnerable story. It's a, it's a very um, dark and twisty road. Um, but I'm ready to share that and I'm ready to be heard. So if you're willing to hear my story, I am willing to share. And so here goes. Here's how my story begins. At the young and very eager age of 18, I decided that I should go to college like most kids at that age do. I, however, had very big feelings about leaving my family as close as we were. It was almost difficult for me to think about even possibly moving out. Mind you, even when I was only going 40 minutes away to the lacrosse campus. But I decided it was probably something that I should experience. The night before I left for college, I remember sitting on the couch with my mom, bawling my eyes out. And her holding me and saying, it's going to be okay, Sam. This is what you need to do. You're going to do great. We're literally only 40 minutes away. You can come home whenever you want. And I did. I settled into college life. I made amazing friends. I truly had an authentic, real, lovable experience. And I did come home on the weekends and whenever I needed to, basically, or my mom came to me to visit me or bring me things that I needed as well. It was the perfect balance of family and a newfound lifestyle. Now, I did this for quite some time and, you know, I had my taste at the true college lifestyle, if that gives you any hint of how I spent my first year of life there. But who wouldn't? You're experiencing new things and you're making new friendships and you're developing some Um, sort of independence, something that I didn't really have beforehand. So it was all just great. And I balanced it really well. I did schoolwork. I got good grades. I hung out with my friends and I hung out with my family. The only thing I didn't have was a boyfriend. And that changed. I met my son's father. He was actually a Kickapoo native himself. And I had known of him for most of my life. But I didn't expect that we would ever be partners or have a child together for that matter. Upon meeting him, my life changed drastically. And I remember looking back thinking, I wanted that life because I absolutely did. My son's father was a very, very good partner. And shortly into dating, we realized that we wanted a lot of the same things. We had a lot of the same upbringing. We understood each other. That's why we had a baby. Gosh, it kind of seems kind of silly looking back at it now, but obviously I would not regret that decision. If anyone knows my son, you know that he is a patient, gentle, soft, loving, caring, and selfless young man. He is also creative and full of life and funny and he's brave and he tries new things that truly amaze me. I do not regret having my son at the age of 19. Not for one bit. Because when I was a young mom, I could do all of the things. 
I could get up early. I could watch his every single move. And let me tell you, every possible thing that a kid could do in the first two or three years of their life was done. Everything. I was so energetic. I loved being a mom. It was my number one goal to be a mom. I did not really give a shit about anything else going on around me. My life was good. We had a house. We had a dog. We had a baby. And we both had decent jobs. It was like I was all of a sudden an adult. Like really big time adulting. And this lifestyle sustained me for a while. Or basically until it didn't. I now understand why I shifted. There wasn't anything wrong with my relationship. No. There wasn't anything wrong with my lifestyle. Nothing. In fact, I had it really, really good. The only thing that was wrong was me. I was 19. I had just had a baby. And I did everything that normal adults take 10 years to do into. I don't know if I was afraid or if I felt like I had missed a big chunk of my adulthood. We separated. This gave me some breathing room because now I shared my son 50% of the time. And don't take that the wrong way because it is the hardest thing to accept and do. Sharing your kids, if you have joint custody, if you know somebody with joint custody, you know that those parents give everything in their time with their kids. I was 100% devoted to my son when I had him. I was 50% mom, kicking ass at it, mind you. And then the other half, I got to be a normal 19, 20-year-old kid. It was kind of like the best of both worlds. Now, I didn't quite make the most responsible and or was I really caring about my future during that healing process in which I was a single mom. I will tell myself that. And I accept that. And I am grateful that I was able to work through some of those behaviors so that I could be who I am today. Now I stayed this single mom slash full-time mom slash party girl for a little bit of time until I met him. Now, most of you are probably aware that, yes, I do have two children. There's Mia, my daughter. She is the light on top of a lighthouse guiding you through the darkest and scariest and most uncertain times. She is sprinkles and sparkles and joy and full of life. She is creative and boisterous and strong-headed. Golly, is she strong-headed. And again, despite the circumstances, despite the events, I have zero regrets for how she was given her life. I met her father in a weird and vulnerable time of my own life in which I thought that I needed the things that he was willing to give. You know, of course, initially, 
when you meet somebody, you see none of the red flags. In fact, everything is like green light, go, speed. I love this. Let's do this. At least that's the way it was for me anyways. And let me tell you this. I truly believe that there are good intentions and really good attributes in all human beings somewhere deep inside of you. Some place we all started with good intentions. And whatever led us astray from that path is unfortunate. And so that's why I stayed or I was fond of this person, of Mia's dad, because there were some very beautiful things about him initially. But much like a lot of relationships, or I shouldn't say a lot, but relationships with people that have mental health issues and struggle with addiction, I knew that it couldn't really stay this way forever. And it didn't. The honeymoon phase came and went very quickly. And I spent the next seven years of my life bouncing back and forth between a toxic pattern of healing, forgiving, and trying again and again. Seven long years of praying that I would soon be enough for this person to love me as I needed to be. Seven years. When I went to domestic abuse counseling, I told her initially, I don't belong here. I I don't need to be here. This isn't for me. After three months of our sessions, she made me realize that abuse does not come just in the physical form. It comes in psychological abuse, mental abuse, verbal abuse, isolation from your friends and family and all the things that you love. And finally, the physical abuse, all of which I had experienced in seven years. I can't tell you how many different times I started my life over in my 20s. There would be a really good stretch of time where I thought everything was going good. We had a house. We had a baby. We had a family. I was tricking myself into thinking that it was exactly what it was when it wasn't. I moved out more than once, started over, had my own place, only to find myself back in the same exact position months later. Side story, which I still find very entertaining, I actually met a pretty decent guy, or what I thought at the time, during one of my breakups with Mia's father. He was like way too good to be true. He was handsome, successful, had children of his own and his own house, and he absolutely adored me. And I thought that I was so fortunate to have found this kind of love. We courted and dated and hung out for like six months and never fought never had really major disagreements and I always felt validated and loved 
We had plans to elope that summer in Las Vegas. It was like way too good to be true. Because it was. (laughs) Only to find out that he had been cheating on me behind um, my back with his ex the entire time we were together. I would have never guessed. I lost a lot of faith in what I thought love could be at that moment. And of course, another moment of vulnerability led me right back into the arms of something familiar. Something that was familiar and dangerous. I've been asked this question before, and I know if there is anybody listening that knows of anybody or themselves has been in an abusive relationship, people just say, why didn't you leave? Like, do you have any common sense? Obviously, that wasn't safe for you or your kids. Are you kidding me? Why don't you just leave? (laughs) It's not that easy. It's not that easy when you have literally everything tied up in this one person. It's not that easy when you have completely isolated and broke ties with everyone around you just to save your relationship with this person. It's not that easy when they take away your financial freedom, take away your transportation, and manipulate you into thinking you have nothing. It's not that easy. And that's why most of us should seek therapy after these types of relationships to regain that composure of ourselves. That you're right. It's not just that easy. People always say, and if you haven't heard this, you haven't had much experience in abusive relationships. People always say, well, why didn't you just leave? Why didn't I just leave? With no money, no support system at the time because I had severed every tie with every person that I love, where was I to go? And then the fear, the fear that if I left, some part of me would longing to be coming back, in which it did. I left him at least three different occasions, moved out, started over, and I still came back. I still believed somewhere, somewhere deep inside of him was the ability to love me. I put everything I had on him. I said, please, for the love of God, I am willing to start over. I am willing to isolate myself and take all these people out of my life for you. That was my mistake. I have learned that. I have come to realization that it is no longer anybody else's responsibility to, for me to determine to be loved. I need to maintain boundaries and independence and still be able to give love And receive love. And that is how you do it. So when you say, why didn't you just leave? It's not like that. It's not like you just are strong enough. You find your strength. You work towards your strength. And you hope to, gosh, every waking moment, you are getting a little stronger. I had my moment. It was a few seconds after being thrown up against the wall with my head banging against the drywall with his hand around my neck, shaking me vigorously, releasing me and disappearing. I had a moment. I knew that if I called my friends, I could just have them come pick me up and the kids and and we could go to their house for the night and then I could come back tomorrow and pretend like it didn't happen, like I usually did. I know that that was an option. 
I looked down at my phone and I still remember looking at my phone and I opened the dial pad and I thought, if I dial my friends, this isn't going to end. There is one set of people that if I call, this is over, that I have my strength, that I can't look back. I know that if I call them, this is the end. This is it. Seven years of pain, seven years of back and forth and uncertainty. This is it. Do you know who I called? I called them. It was 2.32 in the morning. And she picked up. It was my mom. Mom, I need you to come get me and the kids. She said, okay, we'll be right there. She said it calmly. She said it quietly. And that's all she said. And when she got there with my dad, she helped me pack and put my kids in the car. And she didn't say a word besides her normal cute and sweet grandma banter. And my dad, who had been highly opinionated about the entire situation (laughs) for most of the time, sat outside with his arms crossed watching to make sure that we were safe. He didn't say a word of negativity. He did not say, I told you so. He did not say, we've been here, Sam. We've done this for you before. We are done. He sat quietly in the front seat and drove us home. You know what? I don't know how many times I've told them about this moment, but I want to say it again. Mom and Dad, that was one of the most powerful things you could have ever done for me. And I am so grateful for that. When we got back to my mom and dad's house, my kids and I cuddled up on the couch and they were giddy. And I remember laughing. It was just laughter over Mia talking and Peyton was laughing. And I knew that from the moment, this moment on, things were going to be so much different for us. But I was so relieved to know that this was the beginning of an end. So here I was, a proud 27-year-old living with her parents yet again with two small children. Basically had nothing to my name except a car and a lot of luggage. But I had everything. I had power and I had faith. And most importantly, I had my family back. I no longer had to pretend that things were okay, which in fact they weren't. I no longer had to hide and I could finally share what I had been experiencing. I could be free. It was in a tremendous weight that lifted off my shoulders and evaporated into the universe. It's almost like it didn't happen, but we'll talk about that later. I was ready to begin. But it wasn't a fairy tale, guys, and it, it, it hasn't been. To say that I was magically cured and freed and made perfect choices and my life was amazing thereafter, it would be a lie. But it did get a lot easier. It sure as hell got a lot easier. I lived with my parents for a while, and it actually was a very therapeutic experience. I mean, at times, we all wanted to pull our hair out. And they were equally as frustrated with me as I was with them. But we made it work. 
They made it work. And most importantly, they accommodated to me yet again. They're my superheroes, guys. And I wish and I truly wish that everybody could experience parents like me. I am blessed beyond measure to have two selfless individuals that not only love each other so much, it's disgusting, but love me and love my kids and love my brothers and their families so much. I won the freaking lottery when it came to my parents and who they are as people and how they've raised us. But there comes an end to that. You know, I was about ready to move on and, and living with them forever was not ideal. So I found myself in a situation with a roommate and it worked out pretty great for a while. Now, most people would probably cringe of the thought of two adults and four kids in a small apartment, but it worked for us. Making it through to crack a smile or keep my positive, upbeat energy alive. There are hard days. There are shitty-ass days. There are days where I have zero energy to do a goddamn thing, even two days before Christmas, when I have, still have to wrap at least 15 Christmas presents. And then there are wonderful days. There are days that I reflect back on and I feel so grateful. I feel so alive. I feel so full. Every day, we're all just here writing our own story. My story is not going to be anything like yours. Your story, you can't compare to anybody else's. Take time, enjoy your journey, reflect. Know that you're doing your best. Appreciate yourself. See where you started. See how far that you've come. Believe that you are enough. Appreciate the people that have helped you get there. Love yourself. Even when you're hard to love. It's okay to make really awful mistakes. And it's okay to forgive yourself. And even if you're only making a tiny, tiny change every day, at least you're trying. I always tell people, if somebody's trying, that's what counts. And what matters to me? If you are truly trying, I see that as progress. Thank you for listening to my story. Thanks for allowing me to talk about me. I hope you have a better understanding of the last decade of my life. And if you don't, and if you feel a lot differently about me, Perhaps maybe you think less of me. That's okay because I don't think less of me. I think better of me and I'm proud of me and I'm super grateful that I am here able to reflect upon it in this mindset and I hope that you take something away from this, that not everybody has it all going on. I may have had a smile on my face for the last decade of my life, but it hasn't been easy to keep it there. But my goal for myself and for my kids and for my family and my friends and anyone that surrounds me is to make little changes so that I can keep it there and maybe put a little bit of smile and shine into somebody else. Everybody, Merry Christmas. Take time to love the people that surround you if you are so grateful and blessed to have them. I really hope that this holiday brings you love and brings you light. And I hope you know that you are a badass. In fact, even if you just listen to this whole thing, you are such a baddie. Thank you, thank you, hands down. Thank you so much for allowing me to share this with you. 
and Merry Christmas all. Betty out.